What's up? And welcome to Espresso with Erin and Sarit, the show where you go to gain the confidence and self-empowerment that you need to live your best and most authentic life. Tough love conversations to reveal the simple truths that will transform your relationships, your body, and your bank account. We are your hosts. I'm Erin. And I'm Sarit. And we are on a mission to transform the lives of millions through the same fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, and financial habits that have transformed ours. Good Friday, you guys. And happy noon. Noon o'clock. Noon o'clock. So as you guys know, um, we switched platforms and we're now using this thing called StreamYard. And this is going to be our very first interview on StreamYard. So there's a lot of testing. Um, but it's going to be really fun. It looks like all things are working. So it's great to have you guys here. You guys. We have some, we have some guests outside the door too. Okay. Let's get the guests outside the door. And I can hear them. We have some, we have some extra special guests Come on. too. Come you guys on. may know them. Come on. And Boogie. All right, you guys, but in all seriousness, we have some very, very special guests. And before we bring them on, just going to introduce them real quick. Um, Martin and Chelsea Matthews are authors, speakers, and financial literacy advocates. They're the founders of M Wealth Group, an insurance and financial services agency. They lead a team of professionals with clients in 46 states with over 19 combined years in the financial industry as award-winning financial financial professionals. They focus on helping clients build an unbreakable financial house. Their book, Let's Fight About Let's Fight About Money, helps couples to communicate about money and handle conflicts. They've hosted Love and Money Show on Wood Woodtitch Network, a financial personal development and entrepreneurship focused show highlighting how to make more, save more, and give more. And you guys, today we're gonna be having the pleasure of having them join us and we're going to talk about how to improve your relationship by improving your money so let's bring them on let's squeeze four people onto the screen i already like to take all the space what is up you guys well, we're doing great. Uh, thanks for having us. We're happy to be on here with you. Uh, you guys are awesome. We love you guys. So thanks for having us on here. Hey, we love you guys. And you know what? Today we're going to be talking about all things uh, couples and money. But before we get into that, um, this is an espresso show. So I'm curious, like what, like, what do you guys drink on a day-to-day basis? <laughs> oh, man. I love coffee. I'm a coffee snob. I love it. Super strong. And I just recently, I mean, for years and years and years, I had to have half and half in it. And I've been trying to find an alternative, and I finally just found one. And I put silk, uh, what is it, almond milk and coconut milk, and it's, like, actually as thick as cream. And so I love that. And Martin, I got to drink coffee just to keep up with him because he doesn't even drink coffee, barely sleeps is awake all the time 
But now he has a little bit of coffee once in a while. Yeah, every now and then I have some coffee because we make it here. And she, you know, she likes to grind the beans, and she's like very. It's got to be fresh that. beans. But uh, but I, I, hear you. Hear you. I hear you on that. Yeah, she's she's like you know she's very sophisticated with her coffee. She's got a whole process. And when uh, when she wakes up in the morning, sometimes I I'm downstairs earlier. She comes down and she doesn't speak before the coffee. She comes down and she just waves and then she goes in the kitchen. I like feeling around. I gotta sit down and have my coffee. And I usually make one cup, but I put enough grinds for like a whole pot. Mm. <laughs> that kind, that kind of sounds like us. And for those of you guys who are listening, you guys, let's tell Martin and Chelsea. Where are you guys from? Where are you representing, Martin and Chelsea? You guys are located in Hotlanta, right? Yes, it has been hot. I don't hot know if it's hot as uh, Miami, where you guys are, but it's been hot and humid. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I mean, your book, Let's Fight About Money. We're going to be talking about that, but before we, but before we got, before we get into that, um, you know, it's really important to understand where you guys, where you guys are coming from, because you know, combined, you guys have an experience of over like 19 years in the financial industry. But like, what came first, you guys or like the financial game? So we really kind of independently started our financial journey before Martin and Chelsea were a thing. And and so like I was before I met Martin, I was a single mom for seven years and I was like struggling to find a balance between financial success and family success. And I was either spending time with my son and I was broke. Or I was making money and I wasn't spending any time with my son. And I hated it. I was stressed. It was not the example that I wanted to teach him. And so I like set out on this journey to learn about like, how does money actually work? How do I increase my financial situation? And oh, that's awesome. it. <laughs> <laughs> now I can actually breathe. Okay, cool. And so I started reading books and going to seminars and teaching my son, you know, everything that I was learning along the way. And then I met a group of financial advisors who were teaching people how money works, helping them increase their finances, strengthen their finances, and also make money doing it. And I was like, yes, this is what I need. This is what I want to do. And so uh, my son and I moved at the time moved to San Diego. We were in Las Vegas. And that's where we met Martin. He was already kind of working with this group of individuals. And then um, he kind of took me under his wing. And then we like <laughs> combined our businesses and then we combined our lives. And he can tell you a little bit about his his journey getting there. Well, I took her under my wing so I could move in on her. I thought he was just like, you know, this nice guy helping out. I, I, like, I did not catch on at all for at, at first. Yeah, that's what you call a smooth criminal. What's that? What you call a smooth criminal. That's right. <laughs> well, when I first met her, she had these short shorts on. And then uh, I think my mind was made up then. <laughs> I should have known when he asked to hang out with me at Bed Bath & Beyond. I was like, why do you want to go to Bed Bath & Beyond? I just thought he was like a nice guy. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Did, it, did it turn out that he is a nice guy? He actually is a nice guy too. Yeah, yes. so that part was true. Well, you know, it, it, speaking about with, with that she's talking about, I really wanted to find somebody who could be on the same page with me. 
And uh, because I was uh, going in business and I needed to have a partner, I always wanted to do something with my spouse. I'm like, okay, whatever we're going to be in business, whatever it is we're going to do, I would like to have a family business where we're doing things together uh, versus if it's now I know a lot of couples that work in different industries and they do different things where you guys work together and you're building your business together. And I, that's something I really wanted for myself. And so when I met Chelsea, she had the right mindset of wanting to build something and want to work with somebody to build something together. So, so I was very fortunate and lucky in that sense to be able to find somebody who, who I could get on the same page with. And then, then we can go together and go build things we wanted to do. So that was, that was a uh, very, very lucky on my part. So I want to get into um, finances, but I'm just curious simply because we also talk a lot about relationships on our show and like, did you guys know when you first met that, like, you know, Chelsea, did you know that, like, Martin is the one and Martin, did you know that Chelsea is the one? Or, like, how did that evolve? I feel like the audience would love to hear that. We were too. talking about this. So, yeah. so one of the first times that we hung out kind of as, like, a group, uh, like, you know, this group of people that we were working with, and we went to the racetrack uh, in San Diego. and. Yeah. Martin and I were sitting down and he just starts like grilling me, like asking me all these questions about, so do you want to get married? Do you want to have more kids? Like, what are your goals? I mean, asking all these things. And as we're talking, uh, I thought, crap, because <laughs> I feel bad telling this story sometimes, but see, because I had gotten to a point like before Martin, I had pretty much all bad relationships. And so I had pretty much given up on relationships and I'm like, I don't need a man. I'll be the mom and the dad. Like I'm strong, you know, I'm strong enough. Like I don't trust any men. And so I, um, then I got to a point where I realized, well, I wasn't thinking about myself yet, but I thought I realized I was like, um, cheating my son on having a male role model and a, and a father figure in his life. So I thought, okay, well maybe someday I could get into a relationship. And I thought, what are the qualities of somebody I would want in my son's life and I guess my life too. And I started making a list of all the qualities and all of the things. And then it kind of hit me because I realized, oh, I got to be the kind of person that attracts that kind of person with those qualities. So really I was like working on those things for like about a year. And then when I moved to San Diego, I had already decided I'm not going to like look for a relationship or meet anybody in Las Vegas that I want to have like a serious relationship with. So maybe like a year down the road after I go to San Diego, maybe I'll meet someone, I'll get settled down, you know. And then like as soon as I move to San Diego, like as soon as I literally step off the moving truck, uh, Martin is there. It's the hot pants, man, I tell you. <laughs> and I didn't want anybody else to snag her. So my thought was crap because it was like I knew at that point I had always wanted somebody too that I could grow and expand with and work with and work on reaching my goals. And so I knew at that point, oh, crap, like this is a fit. But I felt like I wasn't ready. So I was like, no, 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 I'm not ready for this. And I tried to like hold off for a while, but I just I couldn't. <laughs> Okay, so I'm here. I love your chemistry. <laughs> Knowing what you know now, based on your relationship, is there such a thing as not being ready? Uh, I mean, well, go ahead. I'm 
answered the last question. Well, I, I, I don't know because I was ready, so I didn't have any doubts. Chelsea was the one who initially had, had doubts about it. So the reason why I was grilling her, because at the time I'm like, okay, I want to find the right person and start building something with. And so I needed to find out if that was her or not. And so I was, I was trying to qualify her in the beginning. I had to ask her all these questions. And, you know, uh, we listen to, to Grant Cardone a lot. And he talks about hard questions. <laughs> so asking her those kinds of questions were not easy. It wasn't, and I was like straight up about it. Hey, you want this? This is what you want for yourself? All these different things. Now, some people might think that may be inappropriate, but it wasn't for me because I wasn't trying to waste time. I was just trying to figure out, you know, I, I got to get to the point. Is this the right person? And so that's where, but those questions help her realize that, oh, this guy is a serious guy about what he's trying to do and what his intentions are. So, But um, I will say that also um, being in the right, like, mental space is important, too, because, you know, I had been doing work on myself and clear on the type of relationship I want. But also I had at the time looked at relationships as like, like an extra thing, like dating, you know, and I had, I was a mom, I was starting a new career, I was also working another job. Uh, my son was starting a new school. And so then like Martin wanted to go on date night and he was like adamant about weekly, it was important to go on date night. And I'm like, I, I can't add another thing to my plate. This is too much stress. Like I can't deal with this. And so I tried to actually say like, I, this is just too much. I can't take on another responsibility. And what really made me realize and know that he was the one is through all of that, he still stayed the same person. And what I was used to is people who like said and did the right things when it was convenient and when they got their way. But then when they didn't get their way, they turned into this completely other person. And I saw that through all of that, he was still the same person. He still respected me. He still treated me well. He still wanted the same things. And so that's what made me realize, oh, this is who he is. And then I had to like get to the right mental space where I was ready to commit as well. Consistency builds trust. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You guys talk a lot about that with the fitness and working out, right? The consistency over and over. But it's so. like that with anything in life, you know? Yeah. I feel like I, I wish that you guys would have heard our conversation from yesterday. It's almost as if you heard our conversation from yesterday. Uh -huh. <laughs> And, and, and other episodes that we've done on relationships, that's just like, uh, shoot, I forget the actual points, but just, oh, Sarit talked about yesterday. This is like for the audience. Sarit talked about yesterday, working on yourself, writing down a list of things that you want, not focusing on the things that you don't want, making sure that you're in a place where you're like, I don't need a relationship. If you're in that place where you're like, I will be fine on my own, but if I meet somebody, then great. It will add to the quality of my life, but I don't need somebody. When you feel like you need somebody, it creates then a codependent or potentially codependent relationship. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely. And then you're not, you're, you're not believing that you are enough. Like if you are at a loss without somebody, then like, what are you bringing to the relationship? If you feel like you're not enough, then it's like, you're never going to attract the kind of person that you actually would want because you're not bringing enough to the table. Yep. So good. This is so good. I know that some people who are listening to this right now, like, wow, because we had conversations about that, but um, let's talk a little bit about finances. So like on the topic of relationships, now you guys are now married. Like how does your financial health actually affect the health of your relationship? 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> Go ahead. Well, you know, it, it's um, in our book. And one thing we had to confront is first of all, when you're a couple, you now have your own views on money. And then you have this other person's view on money. And then you're combining that together. And you may not always be aware because a lot of times people don't have money conversations before they, they start living, they, get, they, they start dating or getting engaged or married and all these things, right? So we, um, how I handled money in the past was called a spender. So I, I make money and I would spend it. That was like, sometimes I didn't have anything I wanted to spend it on. <laughs> I was just like, all right, it made me feel good to spend money. I'll, I'll, I'll be the guy at the bar, I'll buy people shots. Hey man, let's go have a shot. I didn't even know the guy, but I'm buying shots for him. Yes, whatever. And so, so it was like a, a social thing and not environment like that. And I'd be the one saying, you want to buy me a drink? Because yeah. <laughs> I like to save my money. Yeah. She's, the, she's the saver. So she was like, nah, I want to hang on to that money, all of that, right? So so if you have these two personalities, one person wants to spend, one person's more to savor, and then to get into a relationship, it can start to create a conflict and start to have an impact. So Chelsea and I, um, we, how it impacted our relationship was we first had to um, confront it and talk about, hey, why am I even a spender? Why, why does this even happen? And where's her habit to try to hold on to money? Where does that come from? Does it, is it because she doesn't think she could get a lot of money? Hey, look at your little, your little, little doggy. <laughs> and, um, and so, uh, so, you know, it's, by those, those things initially started to cause conflict until we started to discuss it and have an understanding. Oh, so this is why Chelsea is there. It's not like she's not wanting me to spend money because she doesn't want me, want me to enjoy this money. It's that it gives her a sense of security, having money saved, having reserves, all those things gives her a sense of security. Whereas for me, I use money to, to expand and try to grow. So once we started to get on that page, on that same page about those things, understanding our money personalities, then it really started to make a difference for us versus being in conflict with each other. We could get on the same page and kind of work together on things. So I want to know, when did you guys confront your money situation for the first time? Well, it, I mean, it happened very early on because being in the financial industry, like being in business together, and then being in a relationship together and talking to other people about their finances, like we couldn't really like be having financial conflicts in our own household and our own relationship and then be going and telling other people what to do with their money. So it was like it not only our relationship depended on it, our business depended on it. And so we really had to just from the beginning, we had to confront everything like you know, as we had these money conflicts, like, okay, there was burger story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so we went to dinner early on in our relationship. We went to dinner with one of our friends and we were treating our friend. And so I would, at the time, um, you know, we had just moved and we were kind of like restarting our business in a lot of ways. And so there were some struggles going on. And so I was, always very organized with the budget. And I would say, okay, as we're walking out the door, okay, here's the budget. Maybe we could like share something. And so then we can like have our friends, you know, get whatever they want um, because we're going to treat them. And he was like, he heard that, but he didn't really like acknowledge it. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, so we're going to share something and, 
you know, we're going to stay within the budget. And we get there and he orders like the most expensive thing on the menu. <laughs> and I look at him and I go, oh, so do you want to share that? And She's he goes, kicking me under the table. I did not. He tells people I kicked him. I was She's not like, kicking him. Stop it. I'm I, it on my toes I was on the not. table. But I was like, oh, oh, so do you want to share that? And he's like, no, I'm really hungry. I'm going to eat all of it. And so I'm like, okay. So like, I can't say anything because we're in front of our friend. I'm not going to like start an argument about it. And so I was just like, I felt like he was just um, basically telling me that he didn't care about the financial security of the family and because he wanted what he wanted and he's going to take it no matter what. And I thought, if he does this for this thing, how far will he go? Is he going to spend all the money just because he wants to? And then for him, he felt like I was like being his mom telling him what he could and couldn't buy. And so literally this was like for three days. I was mad and we could not see eye to eye because I was like trying to tell him where I'm coming from. He's trying to tell me where he's coming from. And I'm like, oh my God, if we can't get on the same page for a freaking meal, <laughs> like then how is this going to work? You know? And so really it was us giving up, not giving up the way that we felt, but looking for understanding. So I try to see, okay, where is he coming from? I don't really believe that he wants us to go broke and then he doesn't care about the financial security of the family. And then he is like, well, I know she doesn't really want to be my mom and tell me what to do. So really it was letting go of like our beliefs and where we feel like we have to show that the other person that they're wrong and we're right and be able to just consider from their point of view. And then to be able to, we started shifting our communication to things like, instead of you are doing this or you aren't doing this, it's like, hey, when you do this, it makes me feel like this. You know, when you do, when you, when you spend, when you overspend what we talked about, it makes me feel like you're threatening our financial security. And then he's gonna be like, wow, what is he gonna say? I don't care. No. And when he, if he tells me like, when you, you know, give me that budget and we don't really talk about it, it makes me feel like you're, like you're being my mom. Yeah, like you're being to. my mom and telling me what to do. So then it really just opens up the conversation. It, it drops our barriers from being right and wrong to being right together and like making the right decision together. And it allows you to communicate something. It allows you to communicate. It allows me to communicate to her that, hey, this without saying, why are you trying to be like my mom? Why are you trying to be overbearing? Why are you trying to tell me what to do? Like, hey, man, when you when you do this, it makes me feel like you are trying to be my mother and tell me you can't spend this, you can't buy this, you can't have this. And so then we talk about that. And that um, and that's not what she wanted to communicate. And I didn't want to communicate that. I don't care about the finances. I don't care about the budget or what we discussed before. So then we that, that's really what helped us get on the same page with that, with those dual money personalities. There, one other thing too that I really used because I had a lot of baggage from previous relationships and financial you know, issues in relationships. So there was a lot of things that Martin had to kind of bear, you know, me getting through where it wasn't really necessarily him doing or saying something. So what I started saying is, hey, I don't know if this is something that's actually going on here or maybe it's something from the past, but I'm feeling this way. So that way it's not like accusing him and it's saying, hey, maybe it doesn't even have to do with you, but I need to tell you how I'm feeling because it's a problem and I'm going to like, you know, it's going to cause a problem if we don't talk about it. So what was the solution? 
Like, what did you, did you meet in the middle? Or like, okay, we're going to raise the budget? Well, the solution was we needed to make freaking more money. <laughs> Income problem. <laughs> that, that we're not arguing over sharing a meal or not. So that we was the ultimate solution. We should not be fighting over one meal. Yeah, yeah it, it, it really came down to like, oh, man, it's we, we got to increase the cash flow big time. And so because it's like we, we, we treating our friend and I can't get the thing I want to get at the restaurant. And that was always one of my one of my things, because I, I grew up in a war torn country in West Africa. So there were times where, where did you grow up Liberia, West Africa. No kidding. Yes, yeah, so I was You're born an immigrant too. What's that? You're an immigrant too. Yeah, I moved here uh, in 2000. So uh, half of my life was spent in Liberia, and about half of my life was spent uh, here in in the states. And so during my childhood was war. It was war. Even all throughout that whole region was a lot of war. And so what what ended up happening is we would get refugee food. <laughs> and so refugee food isn't going to be the tastiest food in the world. You're just kind of eating it for survival. And so, you know, it's um, so I went through that experience as a child and as a young as a young adult. And then I came to America. But then what I realized is, you know, I want certain I want to eat what I want to eat. And so that's where that whole thing came from. Like, you know, if I got to. I got to look at the budget and I got to look at the, the menu and I can't eat the thing I want to eat. It makes me feel like I'm back in a war zone and I can only eat the refugee food again. And you, somebody else is telling me what I can and can't eat. So that was that. And so how we handled that was like, we got to increase revenue. But we also did have to get on the same page as far as budgeting and our financial plan, because we don't advocate like just go out and spend whatever, even if yeah. you don't have it. But um, I always tracked what was coming in and what was going out. And Martin didn't necessarily look at it in the beginning. So he didn't necessarily know what was there or not. And so then we got on the same page where every week we look at the finances in our business and our, um, and our household of what's coming in, what's going out, and what's our plan. So that, hey, if we do have to make these kind of decisions, like either or, or decide to not get something then we can put a plan in place like, okay, how can we increase our income to be able to get those things and not have to choose? I can tell that you guys studied the personal finances on Cardone here. You know, something about the menu, something about this in my childhood all the time, we'd go to a restaurant and my mom, instead of like looking at the, the meals and the options of things to eat is looking at the prices. I'm like, why do we come here? Because mm -hmm. if you're looking for the cheapest price, let's go to McDonald's. Like, you know, and, and it's this scarcity mindset of like, now uh, there's one side of the coin where it's like, you're being an idiot because you're, you're just spending money on unnecessarily on things like on, on you're spending money. You don't have unnecessarily just because you want the thing. And then there's the other side of that coin. That's like, and it's a balance of like, okay, I don't want to be in a scarcity. My, I want to, I want to think abundance. So rather than looking at the price of all the items on the menu, I'm going to look and find what I want and know that I can get what I want to get. And it's a mentality. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I want to know for the audience, like when knowing what you guys know from your own profession, but also from your own, you know, experience in your own relationship, when 
would you say it is a good time to, you know, like start talking about money? Uh, as soon as possible. Yeah. Like, you know, people go out on a date or they talk and they, you know, they may talk about their job or they may talk about their interests, but they're not like, hey, what's your credit score? Or, hey, how much do you have in reserves? Or are you, you know, do you have any real estate? Or, you know, it's like people don't necessarily talk about those things until like after they're married. And then you find out all the debt that they have and the student loans and the bad credit and all of these things. And then, and then you kind of like stuck trying to fix the problem. And so I think that, you know, just like we talked about very early on, all of like our goals and the impact we wanted to make, then we also had to look at, okay, what's that going to cost? And like, how are we going to achieve that? So I think that the sooner the better. I think that a lot of people wait until like after they're in a serious relationship or combine their money. But if possible, it should be done before so that you can like plan things the right way. But wherever you are, if you haven't started those, now is the right time. Yeah. You guys, you guys have some great people in the comments. Does, does couples in here having discussions? Does people mm -hmm. talking about spenders and savers are the most common relationship yeah. groups because you you yeah. have them in there, and so people are discussing that. So you guys have a great audience that's that's communicating about this stuff. And, it, and it's not it. like you were talking about, um, Aaron. It's not necessarily that either side is bad. Um, or good or right or wrong. But like what we did is I looked at, okay, yes, I like to save. I like to build up reserves, but I don't want to be in a scarcity mindset. So Martin has helped me expand my thinking in considering more ways of spending money, like to grow our business or to, you know, create experiences in our family. And then I've helped him expand his thinking of spending to like, Spending so that we can make more money, spending so that we can grow our business, spending so that, you know, things that will increase our level of survival and not decrease it. And so it's looking at what are our beliefs and habits around money? How are they serving us and how can we strengthen that? And then how are they hurting us and, and how can we get rid of that? So this is a side question, but... You know, I think that this would be beneficial for the audience, but how would you guys consider the difference between spending and investing? Well, the way I looked at it is um, if it was for me, spending was on liabilities. So liabilities are things that are not going to bring me back a financial return. So uh, like if I go buy expensive shoes and all these different things like that, it's not really going to bring me back. A financial return that would be what I would be considered spending now something that would bring me potentially bring me back a financial return would be uh, would be well would be what I consider investment so an investment may be hey I go to I learned this from my dad so my, my dad used to be a my dad was the secretary of state for my country and um, Liberia is not a very wealthy country in fact is rated the poorest country in the world the last two years in a row based on people's income i mean it's a it's not doing well as a nation and but he was the secretary of state years ago for the country and um the country always didn't have a budget for him to stay in the same hotels as the other secretary of states from other countries so uh sometimes he would have to use his own money to stay in the same hotels with them and he told me, this is where Greg Cardinal talks about this, uh, proximity to power, getting in the right environment. 
My father said, well, I have to stay in the same hotels as these people because sometimes the conversations that we have, we couldn't have if I wasn't in the same place and in the same environment with them. And so um, spending money to get in the right environment, spending money to uh, grow your business, all of those kinds of things would be what I would consider an investment. Hiring people, hiring staff, spending money on marketing, spending on your personal growth and development because nobody can nobody can steal that from you and when you get better you end up doing better so those are the kinds of things that would consider investments now of course people have financial investments where they invest in a financial product and stuff like that but when you're if you have a business and you invest in your business date night date night for us is an investment in our relationship so when we go out we go out on date night every week that was something I, I i said that was a rule i had when i first started dating chelsea because the world can get very distracting and uh so tonight is date night every friday we go somewhere we go out for date night and that's um that's a key stable thing we do in our relationship so we go on date night and some and we sometimes spend money most of the time we spend money because we go somewhere and that requires money but uh so you spend that and that we consider that to be an investment in our relationship and investment in uh, in us being together so I, I would add really quickly when it, uh, on the mindset piece of that when you mentioned spending and investing and if somebody is um, a spender they can look at in their you know in their thinking of investing as spending because one of the things we talk about people saving or putting money away if you're a spender, you're, you may not want to be saving money. And so to be able to develop that habit in your mindset, you can think of it as spending. And, and on the other side, for a saver, you know, if somebody is looking at an investment as like, oh, I don't want to spend the money, is they can look at the investment as saving because you're investing and it's in something that's going to grow your money. So always looking at in your mindset, like how can you kind of, Think of things in the way that is going to help you win. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be curious to know, you know, from the things that you guys teach and preach, what would you consider to be like financial health? Like if there was a definition for it by Martin and Chelsea, what would that be? We call it an unbreakable financial house. So okay. everyone has a financial house. Some people have a financial shack. Some people have a financial mansion. It just depends on where you are and how big and strong you want your financial house to grow. And we've discovered that in your financial house, there are six building blocks that make up your financial house. And when you master these steps and you implement them properly, that's what helps you to build an unbreakable financial house. And so when we talk to people, we help them identify like where they are in each of these six building blocks. And, and then depending on where they want to go, we help them get there in the fastest way possible for their financial situation. And we also help them identify any risks that they may not even know that they have. But it really is building an unbreakable financial house. So what are the six blocks? So there's cash flow, debt management, reserves, proper protection, build wealth, and build legacy. Okay, repeat that because I know a lot of people are taking notes myself. Okay, okay. So building block number one is cash flow, the money coming okay. in and going out. Building block number two is debt management, 
really understanding good debt versus bad debt. Building block number three is reserves. It's on page 84, six building blocks. We've renamed some of them and we'll, we'll talk about say why should we rename them. But on page 84 is where those six, those six are inside of that in, in the book. And reserves can really help to, you know, eliminate the devastation of your financial house. For an example, like there's a lot of people who were doing well financially and then the pandemic hit, their business shut down. Even though they were making a lot of money, they didn't have reserves or they, you know, they were reserve, they were relying on just what was coming in. So when that stopped, they were financially destitute. So that's building block number three reserves. Building block number four is proper protection. Um, we talk a lot about this building block and it has to do with life insurance, having the proper uh, types of life insurance and the proper amounts. This also helps to prevent the financial devastation of families. Um, a lot of unexpected, like medical, unexpected medical expenses, somebody gets uh, cancer or a heart attack. That's the number one cause of bankruptcy for families and businesses. Okay, um, you, gotta, you gotta repeat this. this. This is powerful. I don't know if you guys caught that. Number one cause of Yeah, so the number one cause of bankruptcy in families and businesses is unexpected medical expenses. So like a business owner gets sick or dies or you know a household, the, the breadwinner gets sick. Um, somebody dies that is the breadwinner, well that income gets stopped. Or somebody is, doesn't die, but they get hurt or sick. And then that income stops and they have additional medical expenses. And then even their spouse or their family members well, they're not going to go right back to work. And so that income may stop too. So there's all of these things that people don't think about in everyday life when we're so busy, go, go, go. We don't stop to think about those things. And a lot of people don't really want to think about those things. So we really help people confront those risks that they don't even know they're facing. I don't know if you want to add anything more on that. Well, well as far as like the reality goes, uh, as far as, because sometimes people don't, one of the biggest things people underestimate in America is the cost of getting sick. One, you want to keep yourself in good condition, your body in good condition. But if you get hit with a major illness, I don't think people quite realize how much it really costs. So my, my sister, a few months, uh, over a year ago now, she was, she was pregnant because my, my niece just turned a year old. She was pregnant and she fainted. She fainted and she came to and decided they needed to take her to the hospital to check on her. So they took her to in an ambulance to the hospital right near my mom's house. And just the, the ambulance ride cost $5,000 just to ride an ambulance. So uh, uh, our son, William, was born three months early. He was born three months premature. So you had to stay in the, the, the intensive care for, 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 uh, for babies, neonatal intensive care unit. So you had to stay there. And that whole process, all of that, until it was released from there, uh, into Chelsea's care cost a million dollars, over a million dollars. So if, if, if a person's not financially prepared for those kinds of things, um, they, they just, they're just overwhelmed. And so that's, that becomes the number one reason to file bankruptcy is somebody got sick uh, and it becomes, it, it becomes like this domino effect. They become sick, so they can't work. Now they can't work, they can't earn income. Current earning can't earn income. They get, they get their home gets foreclosed on. 
all these different domino effects happen. It doesn't just happen suddenly. It like just drags out, you know, and then eventually the person's like got no other choice, but they're too far under that they have to file bankruptcy. And so it's financial tools that can solve that problem before it ever happens. Uh, and so that those are things that people can get that can hand, can get handled uh, pretty easily, actually, with with financial tools as available today. So that was pillar number four, proper protection. What are the other two? Building block number five is build wealth. And here we help people uh, identify the three enemies of their wealth. And then I don't know if you want to go over the three enemies. Well, I, I'll say that really quick. So the three enemies of your wealth is taxes. Number one is your biggest enemy because it's your biggest expense. Most people don't realize that it's taxes. Number two is inflation. Your money has to grow, keep up with, with inflation. We're doing a live stream about it today at 4 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, so inflation, taxes, inflation, and, and market losses. So people who invest, uh, Warren Buffett has a rule. He's probably one of your greatest investors of all time. His, his number one rule is don't lose your money. And his second rule is don't forget Rule number one. <laughs> so your market losses, losses, uh, those are the, your, uh, the, some, one of the biggest enemies of your wealth. So taxes, inflation, and market losses are the three biggest enemies of your wealth. If you handle that, then you actually eliminate uh, a big portion, large percentage of the chance of failure. If you, can, if you can have a game plan for taxes, if you can make sure your money grows beyond inflation, as a, as just as a starting point, it has to do that. It grows beyond inflation. And also, if you avoid losses, you'll be, you'll be far ahead of most people and you create enough cash flow in life that most people never get to just because of, they don't quite handle those three enemies. And those three enemies impact the middle class the most because where most people in the middle class put their money are number one subject, subject to a lot of taxes. Uh, even when you retire, they still tax your income because of where most people in the middle class put their money. The middle class get hit with inflation because when when the prices go up, rich people can afford higher prices on certain on things. Well, if the, if somebody's living close to paycheck to paycheck, uh, or or just they're barely making it, when things start to go up in prices, they can't afford it. So the middle class shrinks uh, as inflation goes up. So that's another thing. And then where the middle class puts most of their money. They get subject to market losses and mark and, and, and so and, and a lot of times the markets manipulated. And I say that as somebody who has wealth management licenses, we have licenses for all these things. And so the, the market can be manipulated. Somebody can go on a TV show and say something about it. And that stock goes down, whether that's true or not. People can manipulate it for their own gains. Uh, and so you just become the effect of that, depending on where you have some of your money. So taxes, inflation, and market loss is the three, three biggest enemies of your wealth. And if you can handle those three enemies, you get to build wealth a lot faster and safer than most people do. And what's building block number six? Building block number six is build legacy. So it's having the right documents in place so that, you know, all of the things that you have built um, can carry on beyond you and it's having the, these are things like a will a trust a health directive like somebody making um medical decisions for you if you cannot make medical decisions for yourself and a financial power of attorney um somebody who can make financial decisions for you if you cannot and uh some of you may have seen recently um in the news 
Britney Spears is, uh, went before a judge and she's trying to get rid of a conservatorship that she has had, uh, her father has had um, control of her finances and basically every decision over her life for the last 13 years. And this goes on a lot. And these are things now, unfortunately, well, I guess she wasn't a minor uh, when it happened, but um, these are these things can happen if we don't designate who we want to make these decisions if we cannot. So that protects you uh, while you're alive for those things. And then also, um, you know, one quick example is my grandmother. Um, she had lots of property and all kinds of things in her estate that she wanted everything to go to my dad. Uh, her friends knew, my dad knew, we all knew, but she didn't have it in place. She didn't have all of these things in place. And um, we've been we were talking to her and talking to her about, hey, let's get these things in place. We finally had an appointment for her to put them to pl uh, put them in place, and she passed away. And it took my dad um, four years. He still has not gotten everything, you know, um, all worked out. He there was properties he was going to get to keep that he ended up having to sell. He would be retired by now, which he ended up having to like stop his business. Um, so all of these things could have been avoided and all of these properties could have stayed in our family if the things were properly in place. So it's helping people, you know, put those things in place so that really their wishes and their legacy can go on um, much longer than even then. I love that. Um, I just want to challenge myself to a question and I want you to reaffirm my thought, <laughs> basically yeah. or not. Which, which of these blocks is the holy grail cash flow? You can't build wealth without cash flow. Right. Um, cash flow is what, uh, there, there's a series, you guys will love this. I have a trainer here uh, and he's, he's like a big, he's like big bodybuilder guy. So he's, he's helping me work on my stuff. And so we went and I filmed um, a series with him, a series of videos with him talking about how different parts of your body relates to your financial house. So we talked about how your core is, you know, and everything working on your back and your biceps and all these different things. And one of the things we did talk about was cash flow, how cash flow is the key to everything in your financial house. What is life insurance doing is helping to make sure your cash flow can still continue if you're no longer there. Uh, if there's enough cash flow for the family, if the person income earner passes away, the family still continues on from a financial point of view, you can still continue on because you replace that cash flow. Why do you have reserves? Because if cash flow goes away, like people lost their job, things like that, that reserves comes in and replaces the cash flow. Uh, same thing with debt, handling debt properly because debt can make an impact on cash flow. So using understanding good debt, uh, good debt would be like if I'm buying real estate, buying property, I may have some debt on that property that tenants who live there are paying down the debt, which they are giving me cash flow. So cash flow touches all of these building blocks. Same thing with having a will or trust. So we have a trust. We have a minor son. Well, we don't, we have a lot of assets and we have a lot of life insurance. So if something happens to Chelsea and I, we don't want a 16 year old receiving millions of dollars all at once. So, so how it's set up is that, well, one, he would need to still be provided for. So he would still need monthly cash flow that somebody oversees. So money will go into a trust for him. And then it will use that money to help to take care of him. 
And then when he reaches certain ages, he will get disbursements of that. So at 18, you'll get some money, at 25, you'll get some money, and 35, and so on. So what are we doing? We're trying to handle and make sure that, one, we give him some money, but not provide too much money that he doesn't have an incentive to work or go and produce on his own, but then still pass on something that he can use to build with. So all of this gets tied into cash flow. We want to provide for him if we're not here. We want to provide for the household if something happens to the income earner. If somebody gets critically or chronically sick, we want to make sure to still have cash flow so it can continue to uh, to do the things they need to do. So yeah, it's it's the holy grail. <laughs> it's the heart. Yeah. 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 It's the bloodline. Okay. So let's talk about your book. Let's fight about money. Um, you know, basically, what is it about? The six uh, building blocks are obviously discussed in there. Where can the audience get that? So actually, we're gonna we're gonna give uh, we're gonna give everybody who watches or listens to this. We're gonna give you a free digital copy of our book. What? Where can they download it? So you can go to letsfightaboutmoney.com forward slash ebook. And then you can you just put in your email in there and you'll get uh, you'll get the ebook sent over to you. You'll get a link for you to be able to download the ebook uh, as well. Yeah, let's fight about money.com forward slash ebook. And you guys can get a copy of it. Um, Chelsea and I share stories in there. There's more stories about our conversations about money, things like that, that we've talked about that. Uh, we went through in the book the, the story about the restaurant, how we handle that, how we have money conversations, how we teach our son about money, the responsibility of parents, if, if uh, anybody's parents out there, responsibility of parents to teach their kids to be good stewards of money that you're going to that you may leave to them. Because if you build something, somebody's got to get it when you pass away. So you might as well teach them how to properly handle it and be good stewards. It's not for them to go blow it. It's for them to be good stewards over it. So that they can expand it and then pass it on to the next generation who then will be good stewards of it and so on and so on so we talk about all of that in the book responsibility of parents all those kinds of things i talk about i give a view um uh, as a father what 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 kinds of things what is my responsibility and things like that that we talk about in there so um so i think you guys really like it so uh so you can go and download it at, at that link thank you and you know for one, thank you so much. That, that is so sweet of you guys to do that. I know that, um, you know, you guys are going to absolutely uh, find a lot of benefit from that book. But, you know, if you could give somebody like an action step, what would that look like? You want to take that one? Uh, yeah. So I would say to really start thinking about what kind of ideal life do you want? And... Mm -hmm. And, and what does that look like? And, and what would you need to do to get from where you are to where you want to be? And then if you're not already there, you're probably missing some information. So you've got to learn, you've got to find out who has that information that can help me, help guide me along the way, and really be willing to confront where you are now and what you're doing that could be keeping you from getting to where you want to be. Powerful. Confront it. Yes. Be Love willing it. to confront. You can't handle anything you can't confront. So uh, anything you're trying to handle in life, one of the things you got, first you got to be aware that that's a thing. And then you got to confront it. And only by confronting it can you handle it. If you put it off and you don't confront it, if you don't confront the tough conversations, if you don't confront whatever money situation you find yourself in, and just be real about it. 
uh, when, when, when I was broke, I'm like, yes, I'm, I'm broke. So I need to confront that and then I need to handle that. So like Chelsea's saying the steps of writing now where you want to be. Okay, so this is where I want to be. I'm not there. I need to confront that and decide what do I need to do to get there. And particularly if I don't have the information, because clearly I'm operating with incorrect information or I'm not, this is why I'm not getting the results I'm getting. So who's got the information that, that got results that I want uh, and I want to uh, model them. I want to learn from them so that I can then apply the information they're applying to their lives so that I can achieve that success. So I, I think those are some of the best steps that you can, you can a person Love can take. That. That. Love that. And you guys, where can the audience learn more about you or find more about you? So um, one of the best ways is to follow us on social media because then that links to a lot of different things we're doing. So on uh, we're on Instagram a lot. So on Instagram, I'm at one, the number one, Martin Matthews, M-A-T-T-H-E-W-S. And then Chelsea's on Instagram as uh, one, number one, one Chelsea Matthews uh, on Instagram. And Matthews is with two T's. So from there, we have, we've got a link in our bio. We've got tons of videos on there. You know, this person clicks the link in our bio and they can see all of our other, all of our websites, all of our content, links to our books. Uh, if somebody wants to schedule a free strategy call, they can do all of that from the link in our bio. We'll talk to people and help you understand where you are with your financial house. Love that. Love that, you guys. You guys, thank you so much for hopping on this uh, conversation. I know that it was very valuable. And thank you guys for tuning in, for those of you guys who are live. If you're watching this on YouTube or listening on podcast, do us a favor and please hit that subscribe button so you can be notified when we, when we drop more episodes. And let's face it, we do that like every single day but in all seriousness you guys we wish you all an amazing weekend martin and chelsea thank you so much for joining us you gotta mm -hmm. let us know when's the next time that you guys are coming to miami we gotta hang out yes. other than that wish you guys an amazing weekend and we will see you on monday afternoon thank you so bye. much guys bye Thank you for listening to Espresso with Erin and Suri. On your way out, be sure to check out our website, erinandsuri.com, to keep up to date with what we have going on and maybe grab some free stuff. And if you feel so inclined, hop on over to leave us a five-star review, wink, wink. And remember, life is more fun when you subscribe to Erin and Suri.